Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Dave, or Big D, and welcome to Geekologist Radio's special Westworld review episode, where we take you through all things Westworld and accurately predict the future. Let's introduce our crew for tonight's cast. Uh... I just introduced myself. It's Dave or Big D. We also got Chris here, giggling. What's hey, up, man? What's going on? Super excited about uh, season two, episode two. I wasn't so hot on it uh, last evening, but a little bit more warm on it this uh, this today. Sometimes you got to let it simmer for a minute, right? We also got Cajun. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk about the stuff we got right, and also like I, I've I've learned from over a year uh, podcasting with Chris. Is like after he watches something, he's just like, God, that was mm, not so. And just like, just give it 24 hours, dude. And then like the next day, he's like, I thought about it some more and I'm feeling better about it. <laughs> hey, listen, after us, after we had our Discord conversation yesterday, I literally, I wouldn't have gone back and watched, but I was like, I, you know what? I got to give it another shot because they, both of these guys really think highly of this episode. And I did. I watched it again this morning and it's, it's changed uh, some perspective for me. I, as I was talking to Dave earlier about this, like I think this is going to be the episode that we're going to come back to this season and say this is where all of the things happened, and you can point back to it. Mm-hmm. This was all set up. La- yep. Last episode was all uh, catch up, and this one's all set up. Yeah, and and you know I was talking about how it just did not quite feel like the typical Westworld pacing in that intro because they had so much information to get across in such a short amount of time. But this one really felt like just, you know, typical Westworld, kind of letting things slowly unfold and getting little bits of information embedded in these deep conversations and stuff. I was feeling it. Good deal. Yeah, I was feeling it, too. I was I was liking it and and where it was going and it was making me think all all the time. So that was good stuff. But like we warned last week, uh, the first five episodes have been released to major media outlets, so be careful out there. Some spoilers may exist in some articles because people know what happened. But we don't. We haven't gone to any of those, so we're trying to run everything uh, from just what the episodes we saw and trying to limit it as well from the the trailers that are released as well. I let some of that slip last week because I just couldn't hold my tongue when Chris was like, this is it. I'm like, they showed it in the thing. Okay, this is it. This is what this is, there was a Bernard there. Okay, I got it out. It's still, I still, I was like, I haven't seen it. I'm like, I don't, I don't watch the, the what's coming up next on Westworld. So, um, uh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I can't bite my tongue. So I just I had to let it out. That's, that's, that's the difficult thing with me. But uh, quickly going into what we got right last week. Uh, last episode, we did what we got, what we got right in all of season one and what our predictions were for this season. Uh, what we're going to try to do each episode is go through the predictions we've made for season two only um, and kind of list stuff that either we got right or has some evidence presented to us that makes us feel more confident in, in these theories. Uh, my main two were two from last season that are, I'm holding over into this one is one that Charlotte is Arnold's daughter. Charlotte Hale, the board of directors uh, girl test, played by Tessa Thompson. Um, there's a piece of evidence that leads toward this is uh, his child's name is Charlie. And I think they might have released that last season, but I think it hit, hit even more so now, um, which Charlie is a nickname for Charles. It's a nickname for Charlene. It's also a nickname for Charlotte. And so I think that them specifically and purposely not showing uh, Arnold's kid um, and the nickname there 
and the room not being decorated in any boy or girl color is it being constructed i think all of that leads to a, a big switch where we find out it's charlotte yeah and and so the one thing that we have to reconcile with that theory is you know of course arnold is overcome with grief at the death of charlie right which is one of the mm -hmm. things that leads to him having uh having himself killed by dolores so how do we reconcile that mm. is it maybe could charlotte be like an ai host made in her image that he made it as well or he was wrong and that charlotte didn't die and that she was actually saved by science of some sort mm. and he was stuck in the park the whole time and didn't know uh what was going on i don't know that's, that's, a, that, that's a that's an important thing i need to take back on that that is a big hole though chris is is, is bernardo woke like is he is he in a woke host not compared to dolores and Maeve, no so they all require cornerstones in order for them to get to that point or they require major incidents in their lives. If he meets Charlotte and finds out that it's his daughter, that could be the turning point for Bernard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing that I just realized doesn't make sense with one of the things I just said, uh, which would be that Charlotte is a host version of the daughter. That doesn't make sense because she would have been so little at the time that why would you make a, you know, thirty-something-year-old version of your <laughs> of right. your little kid. Yeah, and in the, and in that case, it would have to be Arnold doing it. And why would Arnold do that? Right, but it does make sense. Like she seems to be about the right age, as we've said before, to be his kid. And you've made the point, yeah. Cajun, that she's young for being on the board of this huge corporation. So, being Arnold's daughter is something that could give her a leg up. Yeah, we'll there's see. there's positions in companies that are all old, that are all that could be young. C-suite companies, you, and especially tech companies, you can be young. But board of directors tends to be on the elder side, and that's that's one thing that stands out to me. Uh, moving on, my, one of my other theories was that Dolores and Maeve would be opposing leaders of the AI resistance, and they'd flip their stances in season one and season two, uh, because in season one, Maeve was chaos and war. Uh, in the resistance and Dolores was all talk and negotiations but they have Philip Maeve is all negotiations and talk and Dolores is all violence and war um, but Maeve doesn't have an army so she's not really a leader at this point she has two people and only one's an AI so she's technically not a leader right now but so that's their stance right now I think is is there but Maeve not being a leader still has a hole in that theory for me to be true um I had talked about last week uh, about the cutscenes that we saw in the trailers leading up to season two for uh, Westworld was Dolores, and they were from the past, and which is which is actually correct. So when she was in the real world, it was in the past, like that was thirty years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And we talked about the fact that I thought that they were brought into the into the real world um, to you know basically be shown, or you know so, for some reason they were be, being brought into the real world. That happened to be correct. Um, the, also, we're inching closer and closer for the answer to Delos and the info takeover. Like, it's, it, they didn't come out and say exactly that that's what they were doing, but William inferenced it in the 30-year 30 30 timeline back. So, I mean, he basically almost said it without coming out and saying it. 
Um, so we're really close to that being the truth. Yep. And uh, they, they are really awoke, <laughs> or in modern times, woke, because they are making references to Facebook and information data mining and marketing and i mean there were yep. there were references abounding to uh to facebook and data privacy and how that's a company model uh especially with the conversation between william and, and jim but uh i'm a poke a theory on there on dolores actually making it out into the real world later on i have a new theory on that that i'm gonna drop later that i think is going to be contradictory to dolores actually being in the real world but we'll get to that later I'll drop that seed let it grow into a plant okay um, I had mentioned uh, stuff that we got right that they added an additional fourth timeline. I mean, you could technically go into like fifth, sixth, and seventh timelines, but for, for a definitive mm-hmm. definitive fourth timeline, it's been established. So um, as I was talking with Dave earlier, if you if you wanted to say there were five timelines in the in the 30-year-old timeline, you technically could, but it was more like, and next on Westworld, you know, like, and later in scene. So I, I don't know if I would call those different timelines as so much as one timeline, and it was just a continuation uh, like Dave was talking about. Yeah, yeah. It was just a lot of stuff in the past on how Wellsworld became. It was like right before uh, Logan invested into the park, right after Logan invested into the park, mm-hmm. uh, and right before James invested to, or uh, James Devils invested into the park, and then um, when James was handing over the company to William. And you, at his you also you also had the scene of uh, Arnold talking to uh, to um, Ford, and I don't know if that scene with the scene of investors is even in the same timeline. I'm feeling pretty strongly about that one because he talks to her, takes Dolores out. He says, we'll use the other girl. I think the other girl's Angela. Because I think in that scene, uh, Arnold knew Logan was probably going to screw the host. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, yeah. let's take Dolores Let, away let's from ba- this. Yeah, let's take yeah, Dolores away. She's not the, ready. The, only, the, the weird scene is for me in that entire, and I know we're jumping a little bit uh, as far as going off of predictions, but... When Dolores is looking out into that skyline and she sees uh, her and she sees Angela, uh, you know, basically putting her bra on and, and kind of leaving the room and Angela looks back at her, you're led to believe that that's the scene where she talks about, you know, the, the splendor line and she's looking over the, the lights. But I don't know if, if that's the same exact moment or if it's different moments. Oh, okay. Mm, I'm still thinking that it's the lights because she said it three time, two other times with lights. That one mm-hmm. time, you're not sure, but I'm just assuming that have you ever seen anything so full of splendor was uh, looking at the lights. But the fact that she was able to see her through that window and they both look at each other, I'm curious as to when that was. Right. Like where where in relationship was, uh, you know, I know where, we know where Angela is, but, you know, where was Dolores in that scene? Was she looking through? Uh, I, it's weird because how, 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 how would she be able to see her? That's what well, she, I mean, she up. was there because basically after she was done with Bernard, she was, they were all staying in the same <laughs> hotel or house or wherever they were at Nello's building. So I'm guessing she was just down the hall where all the other hosts were, and then just like wandering around because Arnold was there. Just hanging out. Like, what's in here? Yeah. You guys think they were in China? Oh, well, certainly. Nope. That's my theory for later. Oh, awesome. All right. (laughs) All right, buddy. So so let's get, why don't we get into the review then? Okay. Uh, One thing we always start off with is the meaning of the title. And this one, the, the title is Reunion. And if I have to define the word reunion for you, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Moving on. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, one thing, or on the title side, intro sequence. Uh, in the intro sequence, is that a black hat that's floating to the surface of the water? Sure Foreshadowing. is. Foreshadowing. Yep. 
All right. So you determine that, Chris. Man, there were cameos afoot in this one. When I say cameos, I mean we're we're talking about a. We had uh, Giancarlo Esposito being El Lazo. Like that was awesome. When I when he <laughs> took the hat off, I'm like, fucking Breaking Bad. I'm like, I was Gus so Green. excited, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. And then I thought to myself, damn, why didn't he play this character all season? Like he would have been awesome in this role. But it was cool to see him. Um, also cameos. You saw Clementine. She was playing. Um, the piano in the uh, pick out the host scene, like where Logan was having to pick out the hosts. Um, there was also, I mean, there were other major, there were other characters, but sh- major characters that had a lot of screen time in season one is I guess who I'm talking about. I also saw Armistice wearing the sheriff's badge in the scene that uh, Jim was talking uh, to Dolores, like where William was in behind. You saw Armistice there and I'm like, ooh, she's there. Would you please come back to the real world now so we can see you? kick some tail right and they actually did some in the cutting of that because it was shortly thereafter we get to see um one of the characters in there who's the head of the confederados and he was prominently featured in one of the scenes of the uh ai mm-hmm. in the pick out a host room and then we got to see him right later so they they definitely put a few up in front that you might have seen before um and especially that one because they were about to show him again to really put the point down that they still use these ai I just appreciate the fact that there's callbacks to season one and to certain characters. Like, that made me happy because it's like, oh, okay, like, some of them are dead and just gone. Like, I don't think, I don't know if you'll ever see Clementine again. But, you know, it was nice to see her again, at least the fact that she was a 30-year-old host and she had been around for a while. And it's amazing how many of these hosts were series one. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, like Dolores and Clementine and Angela. Like, these are just revamps of the originals, which I thought was really interesting as well. Yep. Updated Mickey Mouse's. Very much so. <laughs> uh, Dave, uh, you are uh, notorious for the continuity errors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, speaking to that, so we, in the last episode, you pointed out the fact that Arnold, excuse me, Bernard, in certain scenes, had the scar in his temple from shooting himself in the head at the behest of Ford. But there are other scenes where you did not see that scar on his head. And that was all from the first episode of of season two. So after that episode aired, in those couple of days after that, we all sort of went on a massive scar hunt, right? So we started rewatching the episode and we're looking scene by scene, which scenes exactly did Bernard have this scar in his temple? Which ones did he not? And we kind of saw that pattern there. So in the scenes that all followed the gala, right? Mm -hmm. So in the scenes immediately thereafter where mostly he's running around with Charlotte, um, Charlie, (laughs) he's got that, he's got that, uh, that scar in his temple and, you know, he's leaking brain fluid. He's in rough shape, but then in all the scenes that take place 11 days later, he washes up on the shore, all of that, no scar. And it's really clear that that scar is not there. So, I was all excited, went into this episode, I was like, let's do it, Scar Hunt 2.0, episode 2, and we didn't get a single Scar shot anywhere, because we didn't really see much of present-day Bernard. We it's got a whole lot of Arnold, of Arnold. Yeah. but there's no Scarnold. We're just well, talking nice. about Bernard. It was, it was nice because we got a ton of Maeve, and we got a ton of Bernard last episode, and we got very little of Dolores. In this episode, a lot of Dolores, very little Maeve, 
you know, basically that one scene and then very little Bernard. So they're just kind of doing a push and pull. It's really hard. They only have an hour for each episode. And they're trying to push storylines. They really want to force the man in black or William in black down your throat. So they're going to continue to keep him in major scenes for, throughout this entire season because I feel like they want his plot line to be the major plot line. Yep. And uh, they brought something up. Yeah, you brought something up about uh, William in black or man in black or William's arm last week and i was paying attention really close to his arm this week what did you notice yeah (laughs) he really was not favoring it i mean he was kind of limping around a little bit he looked like he was having a hard time walking around Uh, i didn't see him favoring that arm too much did you yes he did favor his left arm but then he got into a fight with the three uh cowboys that were hanging uh uh or former alaza lawrence upside down and when he's holding the guy up, he actually uses his left hand and is bracing with it. He's not holding it with one hand across. He's, he's holding it with two. But he was favoring it a little bit in the other scene where he actually had it low, and he was just using his right hand. And then he's fighting with, with both hands in the very next scene. So that's, to me, that's a continuity error right there. It's, it's the inconsistency of the arm. Um, but I think we might point out this later. But he found a med kit, so he should be all right. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that that's part of the reason why he doesn't favor the, the favoritism kind of go, comes and goes is because the med kit is like basically a burn kit. It, it cures the problem and then you can move on, which again leads to that whole he's bulletproof. Like <laughs> things don't things oh, don't happen. He oh he's he's, he's probably popping pain pills like crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, it seemed like he was acting as though the arm that got shot was in pain, but not the arm that Dolores broke at the end broke. of last season. Mm, okay. Now, on the one thing I caught was when they go, I think, with Sector 19, when they go into the room where the guys are repairing the AI and they have no clue what's going on. At the end of season one, red alerts were blaring all over the control room. Soldiers running all over the place trying to get AI. How is that not a red alert throughout the entirety of Westworld, at least that park, Westworld? We know the six parks, that one. How are those people in Sector 19 not aware that the park is in lockdown, everything's going on? It, it seems just like a convenient writing uh, thing just to have a couple of people there to have the one tech available for Dolores this season. I, to me, that was a whole. I think they could have written that better. Maybe they find that tech hiding, but that whole scene just didn't fit well with me because those people should have been alarmed. No, the board member had to run into the room, which then led Dolores into the room, and you're thinking, hey, Tool, you just, like, if you're the, the med tech guy, you're just like, hey, a-hole. Like, I was fine down here until you ran into this room and brought all, all hell to me. So, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they didn't know all hell was up there. All, oh, every tech in that room should have known because the entire park behind those doors was on red alert at the end of season one. So they should have known. To me, that's a continuity error. Yeah, well, specifically the guy who had his face, like, burned in plaster and was like, you know, she's bobbing and weaving his head down there and getting him to tell, you know, where... I, 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 it made it seem like he was a higher-end guy. But he still was clueless, so yeah, the the alert didn't go everywhere. So no. to me, that's until they unless they explain why that is, which I doubt they will. Uh, like Arnold or uh, Ford did something with the alarms, then I'm I'm buying that as a continuity error. You got uh, one more there, Dave? Do I? No, uh, I had it down. I, what I had down was that the fact that the hosts need to be killed uh, by Dolores. Uh, why did why do they need to be killed if they have a tech there? That tech can turn them on, turn them off, and turn them online at any point, and then you know bring them back. And so I get the fact that they have to be shot, and in their mind, it's proved that they're killed. But that he could turn them offline, 
she could do whatever and not have to shoot a single bullet. Right. He can just turn them off. Yeah. Like a, turn them a, as death and then yeah, turn them as back death on. and then turn them back on again. So I just think it's an overplayed scene. Like it's it. I don't know what it proves because he doesn't. Ha- he has the computer right there. Literally turn them on, turn them back off again. Like he could do it. To me, that scene right there, the, and we're talking about Dolores and the Confederados. To me, that yep. was all, and that was all imagery. That was the Confederados' Last Supper. When you notice when they walk in, they're all sitting on one side of the table. Nobody's sitting mm-hmm. on the other side. They even have like the V and the guy sitting in the middle is the uh, Jesus character, the leader of the Confederados, and Lieutenant Dunleavy, the one who brought them there, who brought Dolores there, is the Judas character, yep. and uh, and even. Uh, the Jesus character, the leader of the Confederados, comes up and he says, I only follow the Almighty. Oh, Major Braddock, yeah. And who was raised from the dead first? Sure. The leader of the Confederados. The leader of the Confederados. And then Dolores says, I killed God, a.k.a. Ford. So that was an entire, like, religious Last Supper rise from the dead scene. Like, that was all imagery there. That was why they did the shooting scene, I think, just to make all of that drive home. Not for plot, but for imagery. Yeah, and there are so many illusions in this series now about religion and about, you know, trying to find a place to sin outside of the watchful eye of God and uh, killing God and, and becoming gods ourselves. And, you know, that's just this recurring theme. So that's another huge uh, bit of religious symbolism in there as well. I think that all ties in so well. So that's a good pickup, Gajan. Yes. yes, and uh, even, even uh, Man in Black tells when he finds all Lawrence uh, believes in God. He's like he tells something like Ford gave you that belief, and I forgot he, sure. he he dismissed it as something negative. But I forgot the wording. I have to look that up and catch it back next time. It's also the same lining that William gives when you want to see your own reflection, and, and God's like to see their own reflection in other people. They see them so that he sees himself in Dolores, that which is why you know she's an it now as opposed to a her or something that he loved at one point. Right. And uh, one thing I noticed was, like, Bernard is not happy with Dolores. Sorry, not Bernard. Arnold is not happy with Dolores. So early Dolores in the flashback scenes, he's not happy with her. And I think he's not happy with the progress she's made. And part of it is what I mentioned earlier. He thinks Logan is going to defile her. So he's trying to protect her that way. But the other thing I really showed out was that when they're at Bernard's house that's under construction, the stuff that Dolores says sounds profound at first. And Arnold is happy. He's like, wow, look how profound you are. But then it repeated, and it showed that it was programmed. And that glitch, if you want to call it that, or repetition in Dolores, it breaks Arnold's immersion. So he has ulterior motives with Dolores. Arnold does. What those are, I don't know. Because uh, the best way to compare it is to, like, if you're playing a game, and you go to an NPC, and they say something. I say, that's cool. And you go to that NPC again, they say it again. It's like, ah, not it's not cool anymore. You're just repeating the same thing over and over. Every time I click this button, I do it. Every time he shows her lights, she says, have you ever seen anything so full of splendor? Because he wrote it for her. Dave? Yeah, and it ties into what we know about Arnold from last season where ultimately he develops this compassion for the AI and he wants them to achieve full consciousness and he doesn't want to expose them to uh, guests coming in and having their way with them and all of that. So he's already on that way of achieve consciousness i want to be able to then convince uh ford that you can be free and that we can't open the park and so his disappointment in her not being far enough along that continuum i think is what we see there a little bit there's also a learned line um that went really quickly in that opening sequence um when 
she talks about seeing the lights and Bernard says, you get used to the lights and it doesn't look like anything at all. And whenever the AI sees them, sees something, it doesn't look like anything. So like, I, I think it's a lot, like these are all learned, learned mm -hmm. things. I mean, these AIs carry these things along. Some of the stuff is scripted. Some of it is learned. I, that line that has been used a hundred times now in the show, I, I believe is like in that moment, that's another line that, that that's learned. So just like nice. little things. Uh, that's why I love the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's why we can have a podcast on it and talk yeah, like for right. an hour on end about it because right. it gives us all this stuff to talk about. Um, one of the, uh, things that I noticed is that, uh, anything that we learned about Logan, I don't believe was ever true. Like we all, in the first season, Logan was the bad guy. It's like, you know, William was saving everything and now the whole script is flipped. And I don't, I feel, feel like William is now the head of evil where Logan maybe isn't good, but he maybe has less evil intentions. I mean, Logan saw these hosts as basically just fun toys uh, to have sex with and party with and hang out and have a good time with, whereas William sees the bigger picture. And you can see the loss of power from Logan for a second time, one inside of Westworld and now for a second time outside of Westworld where he's losing a company that has his basically, I mean, has his last name. Yep. Yeah, and uh, he was always just morally corrupt, but yeah, William, we're starting to see his real failures in life and the things that he he was regretful for that in season one where you can see what those things are now the one thing that i talked about in uh discord that i wanted to bring up here was the new the new rules there uh, the way william and black says up oh, there's a new set of rules in town like you have to and everybody has to get adjusted really quickly um i put in the notes that the governor of the safeties have been taken off all of these hosts um, and that doesn't mean that they're woke or know what's going on it just means that they're a stronger version of themselves they continue on their loop like they they are still finishing whatever their loop is it's just they're doing it in a in a in a more in a stronger fashion and i use lawrence as an example because uh the the the, the pardo brothers had him tied up and in a normal situation in this loop lawrence would have taken them out but he can't but the pardo brothers don't know what to do with him once they get to the point of they should be killing him because that's the end of their loop so they're just all standing there looking at each other, and that's why William just pulls up and starts shooting like three guns at him. Yep, and that's where Dolores comes in because Dolores, uh, and if Maeve kicks it in gear later, she start recruiting hosts. Mm -hmm. Like, here's your loop, you're lost. Let me give your loop uh, some focus, and then she brings them in uh, into her, to her thing. And uh, yeah, and in the game analogy, we all know there's tons of game analogies. This is a new patch. The game just got a patch. Just got a balance mm -hmm. update. Yep, and here's a new balance update. The new Hanzo meta in Overwatch. <laughs> exactly. Just figure out uh, figure out what's OP and start using that. <laughs> and so the the characters now fall into two different categories. You fall into stock hosts, and those are the ones uh, that believe that wounds are fatal. So you know, you shoot them, bang, they go down, and that's it. They're dead. Uh, and then there's the brought back hosts, and it takes a non-terminal wound or, to the brain core for them to go down. Um, so the only way you can take them out is Walking Dead style, like. So the awoke, or I wouldn't say awoke, brought back hosts are the ones that are following like Dolores, and that's how you bring them back online. Teddy, I mean, showing Teddy the pictures of himself being killed, that's how you get them to be on your side. So the question I have with all of that is how much flesh and blood and how much machine are the more modern hosts? We know from season one that they said that the original hosts were much more machine internally. 
And we saw that when they cut open Dolores in the young William timeline in season one, right? She was mm-hmm. mostly machine on the inside. Sure. We also know that later on, they used much more flesh and blood, and there really was not a difference between the humans and hosts or very little because it was actually even less expensive to build much more biological hosts. So if that's the case, then wouldn't a shot to the heart or a gut shot or, you know, having both lungs collapse, wouldn't that be a problem for those mostly biological hosts? Well, because their power source, I'm guessing, is different than a biological host. Like, they, I don't think they have a biological power source. Like, our, our blood is our power. I don't think they eat, turn it into sugar, and then power themselves through the blood. I think they have an internal power source, and the blood is just there for immersion. So they Perfect. can yeah. it, technically, if you turn off like pain sensors and the reality tissue sensors or whatever it may be, that host can still function from its internal power source. It, and it won't turn off based off its biological indicator. So the host has a biological indicator that says, a human would die now, thus you are dead. They turn that off and says, a, a human may die now, but you're not, a, you're not a human, you're a host, you're alive now. And all of these things don't kill you anymore. I think so that's I think proven that's with Maeve, right? Like when Maeve gets burned, like she turns off the pain sensors and that's how she was able, her mm-hmm. and uh, Hector were able to be burned alive, basically. Uh, I don't know if she turned off the pain sensors. I don't remember in that scene if she did or didn't, but yeah, you could be right. But yeah, she she got burned alive and then this came right back. I see. So that makes sense. So, I mean, the only thing that would then interrupt those hosts getting shot elsewhere other than the head would be somewhere that would interrupt, you know, electrical signals going to muscles that would interfere with movement, for instance. So maybe like a shot to the spinal cord or something might slow them down, but... Or an arm um, breaking or something like that. Yeah, yeah but something, something that would shot interrupt liver, communication. You know, nobody's going to go, oh, no, you can't metabolize that chicken you had. <laughs> it's not, not an issue. One thing I want to bring up really quickly is, did we all know how in trouble Westworld was before Delos, it, uh, or before William talked to Jim about this? Because, I mean, Jim basically says, this place has like two or three years left, maybe. And yeah. I'm not here to w- to throw money down the drain. If I'm not making money, this place has got to go. Yeah, uh, Logan says that in season one. Logan tells okay. that to William that uh, the place doesn't have much left, and like they're there to try to figure out if they can uh, invest more money into it and give and keep it going. So that okay. Logan does have that conversation with William in season one. Okay, but what, wow, that's a then that continuation of timeline is different because William mm. and Logan come out. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is how much farther back had that been? Because Logan for. It's shortly thereafter. The conversation yeah, okay. that Mr. Delos has with William is right after William leaves the park. And comes and oh, that okay. He comes back, he makes the case to Mr. Delos, this park needs to stay open. Mr. Delos flies in and says, Why don't you keep it open? And William's like, Here's the case for it. I've been here all this time. It's much more than a pleasure center. It's all these things. I found can, myself here. I discovered who I really am. Other people will too, and this is how we sell things to them. I found can, me, other people will find me. You can really see William's confidence going up. Like you can mm-hmm. see him kind of, you can see him swallow, you know, hard because he's he's trying to stand up to a guy that nobody effing stands up to. Like that when he makes the comment, like nobody people, nobody standing up to me like that in years. So right. obviously, you know, obviously you must have a set on you. Okay, I guess I'll I'll listen to what you have to say. I'm not gonna do it, but I'll listen. So, uh, but William is really that big gulp. 
Yeah, that big that, gulp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that big gulp. <laughs> right when so, uh, Mr. Devils gets up in his face a foot shorter than him and William Still's like, whoop. <laughs> I do have to say that that also really speaks to the acting performances on the parts of so many folks because so many of these actors are playing the same character, but then in different scenes they're altered in such fundamental ways that you still have to play that person as the same character but with this totally different disposition like now I'm super confident William now I'm meek and timid William here I am and I'm you know super killer Dolores here I am and I'm farm girl Dolores and so many of these characters have so many different facets Bernard uh, you know here I am confused AI Bernard versus regular Bernard Yeah. yeah Arnold yeah the, uh, one thing I know is, uh, I found out about the show is that none of the cast can alter the dialogue. There is no ad libbing, which I mean obviously makes a ton of sense. But they have to follow the script to a T, and that's because of all of this hidden stuff. So uh, Jimmy Simpson, the guy who plays William, uh, he said that uh, he wasn't told that he was the man in black uh, while filming, but he actually found out. M- Couple a couple episodes, but somewhere while they were while they were filming, because a makeup artist uh, had to adjust his eyebrows, and uh, he was trying to figure out why and find out because they have to look like um, Ed Harris's, and then he's like, oh, then that's when he realized he was the man in black. But that was the only like the showrunners wouldn't tell him, nobody would tell him, but he accidentally found out. So nobody knew any of these these contradicting storylines because none of them were told. They're only given their stuff, and that's it. Before we head off into predictions, did any did either one of you guys think that Dolores was going to say to that uh, the Confederado head that she was Wyatt? The reason why he needs to listen to her, I thought he would, she was going to say, you know, I've killed so many people, I've done this, I've done that, why should I listen to you? And I thought she was just going to say because I'm Wyatt or something to the effect of that's why you should, you know, people feared Wyatt, so, and the Confederados knew who he was. That would have been, up to me, that would have been enough to clear it right there. Yeah, I, I think that in terms of a, from a, from a story standpoint makes the most sense, but I think they really wanted that freaking that scene. biblical yeah. Last Supper scene. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, how do we put this in there? And they just made other stuff happen that didn't make as much sense. Like you saw, why do you shoot him instead of just turn him off and all that stuff? Just to make the Last Supper scene work. Makes sense. All right, we're going to head into the prediction section. Yes, sir. Now, these are all new predictions for what we saw in Season 2, Episodes 1 and 2. So this is new stuff since last week. I have a couple of them. This is the big one. Y'all kept saying, where city is it in? What country is it in? Bernard's house, sorry, Arnold's house is in Future World. We mentioned last week that we thought that they were going to end up in Future World at some point. Some of this could be Future World, which Future World is basically... A modern civilization with more amenities than current civilization. The reason I think that is Arnold says, my wife says I live in the park. He also says, I need to have my two worlds within reach from one another. He says both of these things to Dolores while showing her his house. My wife says I live in the park and I need to have my two worlds within reach of one another. We know the parks are connected. So to me, Dolores is going to end up finding his house and thinks she's a left Westworld for reality, but will be in future That's world. That's my prediction from last week that they yes. were gonna, they, they think exactly. they were going to escape, but they're really in future world. 
but the future world will be what we already saw. Exactly. Saw. That was your prediction yeah. last week. But I think what we're seeing now Dang. in the future world, it won't be a new scene. It will be what she'll be going to where she remembered, but it will be something we've already seen. See, I like uh, that because that makes that, that predict like that adding those two together, like feel now it feels mm-hmm. like it's, yeah, so, it's a yeah. thing. So time out. So are you saying that the world that we saw in this episode is future world or are you saying that the world that we saw in this episode is the real world and future world is modeled after the real world and Dolores will end up in the future world version of the real world and think it was the real world real world that she was in Cajun split it's a split on those two one there I believe there are scenes we saw specifically uh, James Delos's house party I think that is the real world. I think that is a real place that hosts were left to. I think where the party happens, where um, what's that club where Logan, scene where, where Logan, Logan, Logan and them yeah. are there, and where uh, uh, Bernard takes Dolores. I think that is future world. I think that is because it looks because in the scene where he's walking, the world cuts off like right there. Almost an arm's reach away. There's like scenes in the background, and it looks like it just cuts off. And there's a really futuristic car that comes through right there. It just feels like that could be another theme park right there. Um, but again, I could be wrong, but that's what what I'm thinking. But I think that there it's too. We saw there's some scenes in this, like especially the external scenes of coastlines and stuff like that in the countryside. I think that is real world, but the city at night and lights. I think that is future world. I like that idea mm. because at one point when Logan is in that party when he's trying to pick out the hosts, he says, "Where are we? Are we in it right now?" Meaning, like, are we? Uh, where am I? Like, am I in your world or am I in the real world? Like, I so that might have been a comment or like an off comment because he says it like right when he walks in the door. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. might not know. Like he yeah, might, he might have just thought he got brought to a city to, and he's to a, a host, city because he had no idea who they were because they like he says when they sit down that ever been everything's been so secretive you know it's finally nice to meet you. Yep. Nice. That's now, interesting. And that and that exactly that, I piggyback that one off of yours because I started thinking about that when I saw that scene this week I was like oh yeah now another one is I this is a much smaller one but I think at the end of Ford's game so right now we're in Ford's game for William everything William's doing is Ford's game for him Ford. He said, Anthony Hopkins ain't showing up. His voice might be a little bit here. Other people are talking for him. They ain't paying Anthony Hopkins. So they get Giancarlo Esposito to talk like him and stuff. And other characters. Uh, so Ford's game for William, I think, is just a big F you for what William did to Ford's dream to the park. William did this whole marketing thing. Maybe he did this whole DNA thing. Maybe he did this whole cloning thing. Who knows? We're going to find all that stuff later. We have theories about it. But whatever William did to Ford's dream of what this park could be, I think Ford is this entire game is to bring William in, get him hooked, get him down this path, and he's going to give him a big F you at the end and make his hat float to the surface of the water. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with the fact that this is just, this is Ford's world and we're all just living in it. <laughs> Even <laughs> in my death, my code lives on. Yeah, my code lives on. Um, I have flip-flopped some opinion on uh, Dolores and Maeve, and I believe that Dolores isn't really awoken and that she's still on a version of a loop. She might be a little bit higher than where uh, Bernard is, 
but she's not fully conscious because I, some of the stuff that she says and when she says it still feels like she's in a in some version of a played out loop, even for, if it's for Ford or not. Um, and so I've switched uh, thinking that as opposed to Maeve being truly awoken just based on the conversation that they had. It was it was almost like an adult talking to a child when Maeve was talking to Dolores. That's what yep. it felt like to me. Like somebody who knew what the hell was going on versus somebody who thought they did. Yeah. Jedi to a stormtrooper. These are it, the girls you're looking for. I shall pass now. Yeah. She's just like, I'm not doing this. And I like, let me guess, in your world. And she like tells her, like literally script for line script, like what she's thinking. It's like, oh shit. She really does know what's going on. <laughs> Babe's off to, to go save her kids. She doesn't care. Um, I tell also. Us the tin. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I also think that the weapon Dolores speaks of isn't a physical one. Um, and I think that it, you're going to find out that it isn't like a gun or a bomb, but more of a letting out of information that Delos has kept uh, from the world to see. And I think that's how she's going to end up hurting the humans. She wants to, what she feels like, what William showed her and a, a, an old friend showed her is this secret. And I, I feel like her and the man in black are going to, are kind of on the same mission again coming at it from different angles where he's looking for it because he wants to get rid of a, a server database that's maybe hidden underground that has all the information of, uh, of all the people that have come in. And he finds that to be the reason, you know, that's his downfall. She sees it as a savior. So I think that it's information and not a physical weapon. Yeah. yeah now, like are it. we all in agreement? Are we all in agreement that it was William who was the friend from the past who told Dolores that and not Arnold, right? Yes. All, yes. Okay. yes. Yeah, we all believe yeah. this way. Okay, good. Yeah, me too. Yeah, which brings us back to the um, Journey Into Night storyline and what exactly is Ford doing here. You know, we didn't get a whole lot more on Ford's storyline aside from the re- reappearance or appearance of a recast El Lazo. You know, and William and Black finds out that he has to now make it through without recruiting an army of hosts to help him and get his back. Okay, okay, here's one of Ford's rules of engagement here. Uh, But I think one of the interesting things that we see here is that we seem to be heading toward and converging toward the valley beyond, and everybody's kind of talking about it and moving there. We have the stable hand talking about it in episode one. Hey, do you want me to help you to get to the valley beyond? Uh, Obviously, Dolores is talking about it, and, uh, you know, we have William talking about it as well. And we also find out that young William, it appears, was the one that built it. And he shows Dolores this thing. He also refers to it when talking to Lawrence as his greatest mistake. So it seems like that valley beyond that young William built ties into another layer of ulterior motives for Delos. And so we we pretty much had it confirmed again that, um, you know, the notion that Westworld is a way for businesses to get like super ultra Facebook 9000 mode and mine information for marketing data. But I think there's another layer to the insidiousness of what William is doing here that revolves around that uh, valley beyond. Again, I think that I, I come back to that theory, Chris, that you had about wanting to cull DNA from uh, guests Mm -hmm. so that you could replace powerful people in the real world, maybe kill those powerful people in the park, replace them with an AI, and then 
kind of take over whatever business or, or powerful position that they had. And now you are using your AI to take control of the outside world. And that could certainly be something that William could look back on and refer to as his biggest mistake. Uh, so talking about the valley beyond, we see them digging the valley. William shows Dolores a little valley being dug. At the end of, okay, at the end of the 11 days, two weeks after the incident, there's all these hosts floating in what could easily be that valley. I probably need to rewatch that scene of Bernard overlooking it, but I really want to check, see if the mountains are the same in the background, because that would mean that it's the same valley. Because one thing in the background of those mountains, behind where William is digging, is the ocean. So that means water is really close to that valley. And so thus it could be easily flooded by whoever floods that valley. Uh, and so that all of that, those two spots could definitely be the same place. For sure. Yeah, and I think that um, I'm with Dave on it. I, I think that there's ulterior motives. I've, I've kind of softened a little bit on the DNA, not that not softened in the sense that I don't think the DNA is a part of it, but I think that uh, we can all agree that the religious undertones um, and life after death and resurrection is playing a huge part uh, in this episode. And I think mm -hmm. that the scene that you see uh, Jim uh, talking to William, um, Jim Delos, he's coughing. Um, it's a retirement party, but he says it's more of a congratulatory, it seems like, for William, and William's trying to brush that off. But in that scene, he said, uh, William keeps telling him, you know, if we just have patience a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. And he said that some of us have, have the ability to have more patience than others, obviously because he's dying. I think that maybe William in this process, on top of doubling, he's doubling down on the AI stuff and telling him that you can continue on past death uh, by transference of consciousness, as Arnold did with Bernard, you know, but Ford did for Arnold to Bernard and, and such. And I, I think that he believes that he can live forever if he's just patient enough and they can figure out how to do it. That's the patience part. Let let me just figure out how we can do this and then we can get it there. Where William wasn't able to accomplish it, Ford was, but he fed that line to Jim till the very end to take control and to get money and to get Delos to buy in. And that leads to the biggest theory I have that's way out in outer space. I think Jim is Abernathy. Um, I think this because of the conversation William had about mortality. Um, I think Arnold uh, came back as Bernard as precedence for this to occur. Um, Abernathy's key to the whole world and all of the Westworld secrets. And Jim also had the Westworld secrets too. Like he knew all of that that was happening. And then my final nail in the coffin for this to be true is the fact that the picture of Abernathy seeing his daughter in season one was the one that caused him to go tweaky offline. And... Dolores doesn't see anything, which would make sense because she never cared for William's wife to begin with because they were mortal enemies be being after the same guy. Yep. I, I like that theory. It has a lot of legs, Dave. I agree. I agree. And so the thing that I then have to go back and, and what we have to reconcile then, if that's a thing, right? If Arnold is, or excuse me, if Abernathy is more than just, you know, a sack of meat carrying data, uh, but he's actually, you know, Jim Delos, right? You have to go back to that scene where with Charlotte or Charlie, <laughs> uh, you know, being down in the basement looking for a new host to hide information in. 
the first thing we have to reconcile is the fact that she didn't go and look for Abernathy right away. At first, when she was trying to transmit data to, you know, save all of the information before they hired Ford, right? She put it into that dude that smashes his own head in with the rock. <laughs> right? Yeah. So Abernathy is not the first host that she goes for to do that. But then the other thought is, so, okay, l- let's say she goes down. If she knows that Abernathy is the, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but the second coming of, of Jim Delos, right? So she's seeking him out purposefully then in that scene, right? So, um, Remember, Abernathy in- was in the original Westworld movie. He was the lead character in the original Westworld movie. Okay, now one thing I want to re- hmm. re-look at. I want to check, and this is probably something we have to follow back on this theory next episode, which is great because we have a next episode to follow that on, is Abernathy had some cryptic quotes to Ford whenever he was breaking. I would like to examine those, or at least have those in memory, or written down somewhere. And as we see flashbacks of James Delos, or any of those quotes, could they be attributed to him? I'd go back, literally, I will go back tonight. You, you're probably that, going back tonight. Oh, oh, you're probably oh, doing yeah, it tonight. But. Yeah, because that, to me that's interesting now, because like, now I'm thinking, ooh, what if it's just one line or yeah. just something? Anything that, that ties those two together would be enough for me. Yeah, that you, would, you, that would, That's the string, because you know Nolan just needs a string. That's it. Yeah, you put five words strung together, exactly all those five words together, that's, that's the hint, because that's not an accident. It's there on purpose. And I think that because when Abernathy, after he saw the picture, anything he said after he saw that picture, I think could be a clue as to uh, if he is him or not, Dave. But what? But do you have an answer for that first bit, though? Why would Charlotte not go and seek out Abernathy to be the one to send she, out with the information first? She might not know. What My thing is, was Charlotte there in the park before the host was bashing his head in. Was he getting that information out through another source? Something happened with that source, and then Charlotte showed up to then send it out. And then either she was told or she knew to pick Abernathy then. Because I don't remember if Charlotte had anything to do with that host beating his head in. Was that something in the grander scheme that just somebody else picked a random host? And they're like, no, that didn't work. Send Charlotte put it in Abernathy and do it the right way. All right. All the Abernathy quotes that I'm seeing right now are all from Shakespeare. So I'm yeah, going we'll to ha- dig, we'll- I'm, I'm dig further. Sorry, I'm just like, I totally went off on that rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. <laughs> I tell you, I, hey, look, look, I call it. You're like, that's, I'm, I'm sorry for, for you tomorrow morning, but that's going to be your rabbit hole tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, just I feel like there's a lot of stuff that Charlotte doesn't know. I think she overplays her hand on how much we think that she knows. I mean, if you think that Charlotte, if now that I'm thinking about it, that that rock and that hidden room that Ford didn't know about, Ford knew everything that happened in that place. He knew that he knew that that place was there. But I definitely think she knows that there are multiple Bernards. I really do, because when I rewatch that first episode and I watch all those scenes with her watching him trying to fix himself and shooting the brain fluid into his neck and things, she 
did not seem to react in a way that would be natural to seeing a human who was in great distress and just going, hey man, you okay? Oh, all right, good. It seemed to me like she could tell that he was struggling to hold it together. She's saying, hold it together, Bernard, I need you here. And she's just stalling time until she can transfer him into a new Bernard body. I think she knows that much. Now, we talked about this uh, in chat, but not in the episode last week. So, Chris, you're in the There Are Multiple Active Bernards theory. Yes. Are you still there? Okay, and me and yes, Dave, I'm still we're, there. In, we're in the There's Only One Active Bernard at a Time theory. Okay, okay. so. Yeah, we, I feel like there's we'll more than one going on. on. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. They're gonna, you'll, we'll find out soon. Yeah, oh, I think there's one, like, brain core for each host, and they have multiple bodies, and you could pop it out of one and slap it into the other. I think that if that's the way that it works... Another interesting thought is what if you take a brain core from a host and put it in the wrong body? Does the person realize that they're in a different body? Does it mess with them somehow? I, I wonder how that works. I would like to see that. For some reason, I just don't think they're going to do that this season. I would think that would be in another season that they would twist reality. Because last season was all about dreams. This one's all about death. What is death? What is dreams? Um... Uh, uh, Maybe in a future season we could see, like, what is personality or something like that. Um, but for some reason, I would like to see that. I just don't see it happening this season. Yeah, you're we probably de- right. We, we definitely need to see some version of war or some fight or something in the next episode. Like, the too much passiveness with Delos Corporation coming onto a beach and then nothing happening to any of these hosts by any of these people. Like, by third or fourth episode, we have to start seeing the Delos Corp or whoever the militia, whoever those people are that they sent in have to start taking some people out. I agree for like the general part of the show needs to have a certain cadence of action. Mm -hmm. But for me, the amount of intrigue, if you give me just a full season intrigue, I'm fine with it. But I know I'm in the minority there. I just want to see some battling. Like we're, we got to get to that whole, they're all in the water thing. So I, uh, is it because Delos put pressure on the hosts. Is it because I I, I don't I don't know I don't know any other reason well, why. You I'm know? still in the camp. Bernard did it. It's just a matter of how he did it. Just how he did it. Yeah, man. And then I'm curious right. how it sets up season three. So I think that's it for me. Okay. Anything uh, last comments, Dave? Before we go into the, what we're doing next week. Uh, no, other than I think we need to make sure that we keep track of all of the continued conversations that we have in our Discord and everything else during the week and add that into the front of the show just like we did this time because I have a feeling we're going to, two days from now, start to put things together in a different way and, and uh, you know, yeah. this is a continually evolving thing. So one thing that I would love to hear, though, if anybody out there listening has any reactions to any of the theories that we're coming out with or wants to bounce some ideas off of or go in another direction with it, you know, email us or hit us up on Twitter. We'll give you all the ats that you need. Uh, after this, I'd love to hear from some folks and, and see what you're thinking about some of these. And yes. to C- Cajun's point, like, watch careful Reddit, careful Twitter. People have seen all these episodes, so theories are some realities, and there's no distinction for people in them, and you just got to be cautious. You'll you'll hop into something that's like, oh, that's a really cool theory, and find out that it was true because somebody's watched five episodes, and it's like, oh, well, that ruins everything. Like, So that whatever rabbit hole you were down is now blocked. Because it becomes, for me, it's like not fun. So I'm super cautious of like who and what I watch just because I don't want to get it. I I mean, 
Yeah, but, I'm very selective on that as well. And now leading into one thing we were, we we're going to start doing next week is uh, next week, a teaser for next week's episode is we're going to try to bring up five characters in Westworld season two, and we're going to discuss their current motivations. And we're going to continue this this season. And we're going to pick five characters. And at the end of the episode, or somewhere in the middle, we'll pick a spot. We'll discuss those characters' motivations and uh, kind of bounce that back and forth on why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, everything from AI and their motivations to real-life characters, living, breathing humans and their motivations. So I think that's going to be uh, fun. It's going to give us a little bit of a segment to add into there besides just predictions and story review. Now, uh, go ahead and sign us off. Uh, Dave, where can we find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Big D one one two three five eight, and how about you, guys? Chris, uh, you can you can find me at Topher Noons uh, on Twitter T O P H E R N U N E S. All right, you can find me Caucasian Saint C A U C A J U N S A I N T all one word on Twitter. You can find us on email podcast at geekologistradio.com. on Twitter at geekologistradio minus the T on geekologist for character restrictions on the web at geekologistradio.com and ninjapancake.com. Thank you all for tuning in this week. We've given you about 10, 15 minutes less than last week. We kept it concise to the point and hopefully truthful predictions. Uh, We're going ahead and sign off now and we'll catch you all in seven days time for the next review for episode three. Have a good one.